so Dennis comes up to me the other day. He's like, hey, we're doing this thing. Uh, since you're with students all the time, why don't you go into this, this last sermon? Talking about how we treat each other, specifically bullying. So I got home and started praying through some passages. And selfishly, because I'm the youth pastor, the, the least mature person here, uh, I started thinking about, you know, how can I embarrass my sister to start off this sermon? So I started thinking about all these things, because, you know, I want to bully her, right? So I started about all these things. I could tell this story. I was like, no, my parents will be watching. I can't tell that one. And I was like, well, this one, I can tell, no, I can't tell that one. They're, my parents are watching. And this one, and I kept going down the list, but dude, I was kind of awful to my sister. I, I'm reminded of one time, I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, and uh, I was across the street in some woods, and I found this long piece of cane. I think it was maybe some old fishing rod, but it was really, really old. And uh, back then, we didn't have an air conditioner, so at, at night, we slept with our windows open, and we had this cool fan. And I put the rod, I took the screen out of my bedroom window, and I put the, the long rod outside my window because my sister was afraid of the dark, and I thought this would be great. So I waited till you know, she got into her bed, and, and the lights were out, and everybody was in bed. And I reached out that window, and I took that that long rod, and I just started kind of smacking her window with it, right? And we didn't have trees or bushes outside, so this would have been like pretty crazy. Well, obviously, my sister starts freaking out. She's screaming, ah! And a couple of seconds later, my dad comes in. He's like, what's going on? And she's like, there's something outside the window. And she's all upset. Dad's like, no, there's, there's nothing outside the window. And he kind of goes back to his bedroom. So as soon as he gets in there, man, I grab that long rod. Smack, 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 smack. And I start doing the window again. Ah! She starts freaking out. Dad comes back in there. Well, of course, I have to pile on. Hey, some of us are trying to sleep in here. And she's freaking out. Dad sticks his head in the room. Hey, do you hear anything? I'm like, no, I, I don't know anything about any of this, right? Have you, have you been there? We've all had those moments where we're like, pick on. We like enjoy, especially with our siblings. Unfortunately, in our world, bullying is like the problem. You look at the, the, the stuff going on in the world right now, and it is just that, the ultimate root, the ultimate problem is bullying. So listen, this is a big topic, and I have a lot of places to go, but only one sermon to do it with. So if you don't get anything out of this sermon today, look at this on the screen right here. This is important. How we treat others is a direct reflection of our relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, Lord, Thank you so much for this time, Lord. I, I wish everybody could feel what it feels like to, to, to be in this service and, and know that we've already had church today. Before the service even started, Lord, you were here and testimonies were given and you were glorified all through the meetings and the music. Right here you are. Now, Lord, I pray that you just pause us off for a few minutes. Forget about electronic concerns or digital worries and just help us focus on you and what you would have us learn. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. So I started digging through all these passages of Scripture, all these things, and I kind of settled on this one thing in Matthew chapter 8. And I wasn't really sure about it, and a couple of days ago, an old friend of mine posted this thing on Facebook. It wasn't like earth-shattering, but it really got my attention. It's a guy named Paul Cox. Let's see what he wrote. Think about this. This is what he said. He says, think I'm about ready to wrap up the old Facebook. Too many judge, jury, and executioners in this place anymore. No one can make a mistake. 
There's no forgiveness. It's just a savage wasteland of Pharisees who judge everyone without mercy. And you know, he's absolutely right. The world's kind of gotten crazy lately. And you know what? The same thing was true in Jesus' time. If you've got a Bible, grab your Bible and open up to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. There's a story, an event in here that we've kind of, I would imagine you've heard before, I've spoken about this before, but it really speaks to what's going on right here. Matthew chapter 8, listen to this in verse 3. Jesus has a challenge. There's our first point. Jesus sees a challenge. Listen to this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her to stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. This is such a fascinating passage because, you know, we think Jesus is Messiah. Jesus is the king of the Jews, but he dealt with these Pharisees, these bullies, in a way as big or bigger than still today we're dealing with. When we look at this situation, they bring this woman to him to test him, to, see, to try to accuse him, to get, try to get him to, to break Levitical laws. And listen to what they say. They say they've caught, caught, this woman in adultery. But if we look at the Levitical law, it's very simple. Look at this in Leviticus 20. Listen to what it actually says. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbor, listen to this, both the adulterer and the adulteress are to be put to death. Obviously, there's something fishy here. Something's wrong, and Jesus knows exactly how to deal with this challenge. Now, we all kind of sort of understand bullies. The definition is actually quite simple. Uh, take a look at this. Uh, a person who habitually, I like that word, habitually seeks to harm or intimidate those whom they perceive as vulnerable. And it's everywhere. It's all over the place. These people. Now, think about yourself. Think about your life, your world. How many boxes am I about to check? People are bullied over their appearance right? I know that. We all know that. It doesn't matter. Fat, skinny, tall, short, uh, glasses, your hair color, one way or the other, your appearance is a way that we're bullied. We're bullied by our differences. We're bullied by our inabilities and even our extra abilities. Dude, kids with special needs, parents, don't we see that as much or more than anything? But it's also the other way around. Kids who are really good at stuff, they get it too. You know, I talk to a student, I don't know, every day, every other day about bullying, and it never ceases to surprise me, even when the kids that are really good at something get torn down for it. Or how about activities or hobbies, things that you're interested in, and people harass you, people make fun of you for it, or even your accent, how you sound. Words that you pronounce wrong. I get that a lot in my house. We make fun of each other sometimes in this room about it. But for some people, it's a real problem. Even being poor, obviously, we get that one. 
but sometimes it's rich too. The people who have the least get picked on. Sometimes the people who have the most get picked on. And then there's gender. Man, we see that a lot. You know, we think, we talk about the fact that for as far as gender equality that we've come a long way. That is not the case at all. I have two, uh, two daughters who are athletes in high school. You want to see gender equality? Be an athlete in a high school or, or in a middle school. You can totally tell that the female athletes are less than other people in the school. It's obvious. And then there's race. Man, flip on the TV right now or, or social media, whatever. That is all, and we're going to talk about that a, a good bit in a couple of minutes. But today, listen to this of our faith. Our faith is a constant source of bullying. Parents, ask any middle school kid. Ask any, I'll even go further than that. Ask some older children, fourth graders, fifth graders. You know, fourth, fifth graders, high school, middle school kids, very rarely speak up for their faith because they get shouted down. And this isn't a public school thing, a private school thing, or a homeschool thing. It's a world thing. When you stand up for something positive, you get shouted down, especially in our faith. Uh, the other day, Dennis shared some interesting things, some stats with me. I want you to check this out. Listen to this first thing. Did you know there are 150 countries in the world where children are severely persecuted for their faith? 150 countries in the world. And of those uh, 50, 200, the worst 50, 245 million Christians live in those worst 50. 245 million brothers and sisters in Christ are being stoned. They're being rejected. They're being torn down. And that's in a real way. In fact, listen to this. Look at this. One in nine Christians worldwide experience severe persecution. One in nine Christians worldwide experience severe persecution. Look at North Korea alone. North Korea, there are roughly 70,000 people in prison for no other reason than they claim faith. They have been evangelistic, sharing their faith, and as a result, they've gone to jail. More so, in the last year, roughly 1,200 churches, Christian churches, have been burned to the ground or destroyed because of persecution. Listen to this last one. Look at this. 80% of all religious freedom violations in the world are directed against Christians. And this doesn't come, this comes from the, uh, excuse me, International Society for Human Rights. This is a secular organization that says 80% of Christians, I don't know how many religions there are in the world, you can't really count that, but of all those religions, 80% of religious freedom violations are directed at Christians. Do you understand that? When we do baptisms in the baptism and we get the person standing beside us, one of the most beautiful things I've ever gotten to do, we say, I baptize you this day, my brother, or my sister, my equal, in Christ. And all over the world, our brothers and our sisters are being bullied in a way that we just can't understand. What are we doing about it? I learned about this concept a few years ago, several years ago. 
It's called the bystander effect, and it's really simple, and it's kind of a fascinating psychological concept. In the bystander effect, what it says is, if someone is in a place and they're being abused or, or even tortured sometimes and torn down, the people that are around, the bystanders, they'll just stand there and watch. They don't mean to because everybody that's standing around and watching assumes that someone else in the crowd is going to solve the problem. In fact, according to the bystander effect, the larger the crowd, the least likely that somebody's going to stand up and help. I've seen this with my own eyes. When I was in high school, uh, the, my, the summer after my senior year, I worked for a moving company, North American Van Lines, and we were uh, assigned to this company downtown, Provident Insurance at the time. And me and my, my partner, every single day we'd go to Provident. And we would eat at this little, this little sidewalk cafe. And every day there would be this street preacher. And he would kind of stand beside us and he would preach. He would just yell preaching to the people that were walking by. And we would watch him. We would listen to him. We would talk about him. To be honest, you know, sometimes we loved what he was saying. Sometimes we kind of made fun of him. And he was just this guy out there preaching. But one day... This homeless guy came up, and I don't know what was wrong with this guy, but he started heckling the preacher. He started making fun of him. He started yelling at him. He started cussing at him. And he got worse and worse and worse, and I just watched. Everybody else just watched. The next thing I know, this homeless guy's got this huge stick, maybe some kind of cane, and starts beating the street preacher with it, hammering him. And can I be, I didn't know what to do. I just stood there, and all these people were watching this happen, and we just stared. And I remember thinking, you've got to do something. You have to do something. And I didn't. And it took, I don't know, it's probably only four, five, six seconds, but it seemed like an eternity before my partner, Terry, and I jumped up and got the guy off of him. Called an ambulance. This guy was bleeding. But there was that moment where all these people were just watching this bullying happen. Parents, we've got to teach our children this is not acceptable. There has to be a response. And with Jesus, look at point number two. With Jesus, there was a response. Listen to this, Matthew chapter eight. Listen to this in verse seven. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin, be the first to, th to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and rode on the ground. At this, those who heard began to walk away one at a time. The older ones at first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. You know, every time I read this, I kind of laugh a little bit because here's this, this crazy, insane, horrible situation. They're obviously putting Jesus in a trap. Jesus sits down on the ground and starts kind of drawing in the dirt. Anybody do that? I, I've got a video game. I, you know, when I'm pondering things, that's how I kind of take my mind off of it. I play my bricks and ball games for a few, few minutes. And, and this is what Jesus does. He just kind of blows them off, and he's in his thoughts. I've read lots and lots of articles, article, excuse me, what was Jesus thinking? What, what was he doing? And I love, you know, there are a lot of theories, a lot of ideas about what he was thinking about or what he was praying about. I don't know that any of those are, are true, but it's so funny to me that he's just kind of digging in the sand till one goes away, another goes away, and another goes away, and then he's left, just the two of them. But do you guys realize what just happened? They weren't just bullying Jesus they weren't just trying to discredit him. They were so aggressive 
in what they were doing that they were going to kill this woman to make their point. Do you understand that? They were going to literally, now I don't know how, there's different ways to stone people. Maybe there's a little pit at the edge of town. Maybe they're going to chase her. But at the end of the day, to make their point to Jesus, to bully Jesus, they were going to take rocks and start throwing them at this woman. Think about it. You know, did you know that that still exists today? We were talking about some of the church persecution. It was like five or six months ago, I saw this article in this video about a woman in the Middle East being stoned. And in this case, she wasn't caught in adultery. In this case, she was accused of adultery. And I thought, there's no way that there's a video of a real stoning. So I, I pull it up and I, and I start watching. And I was like, oh my gosh, surely this is not real. And I watched it for a few minutes and it got worse and it got worse. And it was absolutely real. And it's just like your mind portrays. They started out with a few rocks. They're just throwing a few rocks at this woman. And it hurts. And she falls down and the rocks get bigger and bigger until she's laying there bleeding. And then this one guy comes around with a really, really big rock and puts her, puts her, puts her at rest, kills her. And I'm watching this. I, I, I can't. But this is, this is ancient problems, and we're still dealing with this today. Why? Because there's still bullies today. And we have to question, we have to ask ourselves all kinds of questions. And here are a couple of things that, uh, that we need to recognize, we need to dig into. The first one, check this out. Recognize, we need to recognize the source behind the bullies. Now, now this gets a little complicated because you can look at a lot of different things. Number one, bullies don't always know they're bullies. Do you understand that? Sometimes people are just jerky. They don't mean to. One of my best friends in college, he was kind of rude and arrogant and, and punky. And once I realized that it wasn't personal, that's just, he was from a different part of the country and their culture was different. And once I realized, hey man, it's not personal, he was a great guy. Sometimes bullies don't realize it. Maybe it's that relative. Maybe it's that relative that wears you out. Every time you're around that relative, they're trying to one-up you or talk down to you or, or, or whatever. Or maybe it's that coworker. They can't just say, hey, man, here's the problem. they got to wait until there's a crowd around you to throw you under the bus. You know, they don't mean to. Or maybe it's that, I don't know, classmate, students, right? You bring up your faith, and there's always that one person that shouts you down. They probably don't realize what they're doing, but, eventually, but uh, inevitably, they are, Right? So we have to take a look at that bullying. Where does that bullying come from? You know, spiritual warfare is a real thing. We don't talk about it a whole lot. We, we don't talk about Satan maybe as much as we do, but there's a real Satan behind this, just poking it, just making it worse, making it worse. And that's the real source behind the bully. I love this. Look at this in Ephesians 6. I, I, I like this passage very much. Listen to this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers, and against the dark world, and against, listen to this, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's where the bullying comes from. The second response, something that we need to be thinking about is, we need to remember who we are. You need to remember who you are. You're a child of God. You're a literal representation of Christ on earth. You've heard the cliche before, you may be the only Bible that anybody ever reads. That's true. And we need to be that example. 
Look at 1 John 4. You, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome the world. That's us. That's all of us. And then the third one, our response is simple. Actually, it's not simple. I don't know why I said that. This is the hardest one. Refuse to seek revenge or retaliate. Raise your hand if you get at that one. I'm not. When I was a child, and probably most of you as children too, our parents taught us this simple phrase. Sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. That is the biggest lie ever. We should teach our kids that. In fact, I had this first grade teacher, Miss Dodd, who I adored. We would say that as a class. We would recite, sticks and stones may break our bones, but words will never hurt us. Miss Dodd, no. Words are hard. And today, the, world's are, the words are even harder. Parents, grandparents, do you understand that there used to be a time on the playground where two people got, or work, wherever, two people got in an argument, and somebody said something ugly, some kind of bullying thing, and it was kind of over with. But today, we're bullying by keyboard in our room where we can craft the words. We can think through our bullying. We can make it cut and hurt that much worse. Maybe it'd be worse than it's ever been. Listen to this in Romans 12. This is kind of hard, and I don't know if you guys can see this at home. Romans 12, starting in verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And that should make us feel better about all the the crazy bullying. That should tell our children, hey, listen, God's got your back. Just like Jesus had this woman's back. Now, Now, we look at this. The, the ending of this, and it, it kind of, it's a little misleading. It implies that Jesus said, okay, they're gone. Your sin is forgiven. Have a nice day. He doesn't. Isn't it interesting? He actually kind of rebukes her. He says, all right, now go away and don't do that anymore. Did you catch that? He's like, stop that. That's how we need to teach bullying. That's how we need to deal with this sin in our life. We need to say, stop that. Enough's enough. Put the stones down. But we don't do that. Ultimately, there's this resolution. Look at point number three, Matthew 8. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Did you guys catch that? He says to her very clearly, Hey, listen. You've got to go and stop doing that just the way we need to stop doing that. So what are some practical applications? What are, what are a few things that we need to think through? There's actually a lot, but take a look at these three. The first one is simple. Small steps can go a long way. Small steps can go a long way. For those of you that see your bully every day or somebody, somebody that you see on a regular basis, you know, a smile... A good morning, a have a nice day 
can change a lot of things. You know, typically that bully, there's some something going on inside them. Maybe they need a smile. Maybe they need encouragement. Parents, maybe it starts with when we're praying at lunch, praying before we go to bed, that we call the bullies out by name and we actually pray for them rather than sitting around the dinner table slamming on them. Does everybody understand that? It starts with very, very simple steps. And we need to teach the history of what goes in behind bullying. We look at all the craziness around the world. We need, to, we need to be honest and open about where all this stuff is coming from and how we need to make it go away. The second one is very simple. Listen to this. We need to listen twice as much as we talk. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Does everybody understand that? Now, to be fair, there's information coming from everywhere. And we have to discern. We have to decide, what are we going to listen to? If we're going to listen to hate, if we're going to listen to the people that stand up and say, I hate, and then they make their point, that's not going to do us any good. But there are leaders, there are are people that, that make sound, logical discussion of bullying, of problems that are going on in our world. And if you seek them out, you might understand what's going on with an opinion that's contrary to yours. And that's when change can happen. And then we need to understand, you know what? It's okay sometimes to say, I don't know. It's okay not to know. The last one is the hardest. Solving problems start with all of us. Solving problems starts with all of us. We look at the news, we look at the bullying going on around the world. Parents, I don't know what you're doing to, to dig in and teach, you, teach what's going on. I, I hope you are. I know I have a 10-year-old son, and it's almost every single day. My son will ask me a question, or we bring up a discussion where we sit down and we talk about the right and the wrong of what's going on. In fact, a few days ago, he and I went and met with somebody who's dealt face-to-face with some of these kind of issues, and we talked about it. I wanted my 10-year-old son to not just hear my opinion, but to hear the opinion of someone who's there, who's dealt with these kind of problems face-to-face. And as a result, he's learning a ton about how we treat each other. Because what's going on right now in the world, this isn't a Minneapolis problem. It's not a New York problem. It's not a Seattle problem. It's not even an Atlanta problem or a Chattanooga problem. It's an us problem. It's an all of us problem. I want to leave you with a couple of last thoughts. I uh, have a friend who is a a part of our fellowship and uh, had an event that happened to him a couple of years ago. And I I tell you, for two years, I've been wanting to talk about this, wanting to share this. Two years ago, he and I talked about it. We talked about the right time and the right place to kind of dig into this problem. And it's weighed on me all week long, right? Even last night, I sat down with my wife one last time on the couch. I was like, are you sure we need to go there? Is this? Because listen, from a pastoral point of view, when we stand on this stage, we, want, we, we don't want to share things just, just to score points. We don't want to share things just to make this group happy or, or that group happy. We have to look at Scripture, teach truth, and use things around us to illustrate that point. 
There's this gentleman in our church. His name's Nelson. And I, I don't know if you know Nelson very well. I have a picture of Nelson. Uh, Nelson's the guy in the middle, uh, the tall guy in the middle. Nelson came to, to us, I don't know, three or four, couple, I don't know, a couple or three years ago. But he's from Africa. He grew up in a country that was torn apart by civil war. And literally in his village, in his town, there were battles, there were killings. And his mother wanted to get him away from that. So she sent him to the land of opportunity to live with his aunt. And as soon as he came here, we became fast friends. He is an incredible guy, a strong leader. He's passionate about having fun with our students and pouring into them. But a couple of years ago, he, he was on social media and he met this girl and they started having, you know, kind of a, a relationship where they're talking back and forth. And after a time, the woman says, hey, why don't you come to my apartment? Come, come hang out with me. It's in North Chattanooga. So he gets in his car and he goes up to North Chattanooga. And um, as soon as he gets out of his car, walk, starts walking towards the steps, three gentlemen come out of the parking lot, out down the stairs to greet him. And one of them, excuse me, I left my prop over here. And one of them's got a bat. And as soon as he starts looking at these gentlemen, he, re he realizes very quickly, I have been set up. He was the wrong color in the wrong place at the wrong time. Those guys start beating on him with that bat. They hit him and they hit him and they hit him. And it gets worse. One of them pulls out a knife. Now, fortunately for Nelson, he's a big, strong guy. So he's able to grab that knife, shove that guy away, run and jump in his car, and take off. He couldn't call the cops because his phone was destroyed. It fell on the ground. He had to leave it there. Jumps in his car and takes off home. I get a call from Joseph. Man, you're not going to believe what happened. And I'm devastated. I called him immediately. He's like, dude, are you, what happened? I was like, I'm coming. I'm coming right now. He's like, no, 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 no. He didn't want to see anybody. He didn't want to talk about it. I was like, okay, we're getting together soon. Wednesday night, you make sure you're, you're at church. We're going to talk. So Wednesday night, we're back here in the B3, and, and, and our services has just started. And the kids are singing, and I look up in that back window, and there's, there's Nelson looking through the window. I, I, I'm devastated. I don't, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to say. I go out, and I'm livid. And I just hug him, and I'm crying. We're crying. And then I realize I can't look him in the face. I can't physically look in his eyes. America is the land of opportunity. I believe that it is the greatest country on earth. And more than that, where we live is magical. There's family here. There's, there's heart, and there's honesty, and there's community. All the beautiful things that everybody deserves, but he didn't get that that day. And it was devastating. I wanted to drag him in the room and say, all right, everybody shut up and sit down and listen. We got to talk about something. No, 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 we calmed down. And we talked about, you know, there's going to be a time and a place to share this story. And today's that day. I spent a lot of time with him lately, talking to him about this situation. We've got a lot of bullying in the world, people. And it doesn't matter what your political opinion is. We've got all these little things. We, we, we want to hammer our opinion, 
Black lives matter, throw that rock, right? No, 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 all lives matter, throw that rock, ready? Throw this political opinion, throw that political opinion. Listen, parents, grandparents, adults, we have to be the example. If we want to grow closer to Jesus and each other, we've got to put the stones down. And if we don't do that, nothing is gonna change. I saw the most interesting quote the other day. This woman named Sherilyn Eiffel. Listen to what she says. It's going to take hundreds of millions of us to lift all together at the same time to try to move us forward. We can be that change. We are sons and daughters of the Christ who saw Jesus bullied in such an awful way and watched him or or learned about him rising up against it and we can do the same thing, but we have to do it together. And just like where we started out, how we treat others is a direct reflection of our relationship with Jesus. Let's pray together. Father God in heaven, Lord, we've got a long ways to go and a lot to do, Lord. But if we'll put you in the front of that, nothing is impossible. When parents have their strain and their frustrations about bullying, not knowing how to deal with their, with their situations for their children, we know that you're the example And if we'll just connect to you and each other in a mighty way, all those things will change for you for that good. In Christ Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen.